Hello there, and welcome to Comrader Double A. I was going to make a joke about, like, I'm your host, Shinya Owada, but instead I'm the Death Ranger, the new non-binary character in the, co- in the Power Ranger comics. Uh, I'm joined here by Adam and Cassidy. Hello. Hi, I, I guess I'm Adam. That is the name with which I identify with, I suppose. I'm going to call you out now, actually, because that's stolen valor. I'm the only one here that uses they pronouns. All right, fine. You're the you're the Death Ranger. I'm Shinya Owada. That said, I don't think non-binary people have to use they them pronouns. It just they 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 do have to they do have to become the Death Ranger though. That is something all non-binary people need to go through. Yeah, it's like the, the it's the gender non-conforming version of the Phantom Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Like I don't think I'm going to be able to record this podcast cuz I'm going to be too busy obsessing over the Death Ranger. I, what I don't like is about the image that you posted here, uh, that it looks like the Power Rangers version of the Batman who laughs. It kind of does, yeah. The, uh, suit. the image yeah. that I saw before had like a full-on Power Rangers helmet, but instead of a visor, you could see skeleton eyes. So welcome to our Common Rider podcast. Uh, today we watched and are recapping episode 10 of Common Rider 01. I am the actor Shinya Awada. No, you're Adam. You said so at the top of the episode. <laughs> so who wrote and directed this one? Uh, it was written by Shinya Awada and directed by Shinya Awada. An executive produced by Vice President Fukuzoe. <laughs> uh, it was written by uh, Masaya Kakehi and directed by Shojiro Nakazawa. The episode starts on a film set. An actor playing a detective draws a gun on an older actor, and there's some stuff said about duty and compassion. The director yells, cut! And we see that the actor playing the detective is actually a humagear. I have some thoughts on them digitally erasing the humagear fins, but we'll get to that a little later. We're then treated to a press conference in which Fukuzoe and Aruto are promoting a television drama titled Officer Geary, Duty and Compassion. Fukuzoe lets the press know that he's the show's executive producer with an almost adorable amount of self-congratulations. Aruto then... Aruto cuts him off. Like, it seems like he's going to continue. Then Aruto's like, by the way, we have a human gear actor. Who trained in Hollywood. Arto then brings attention to the lead actor who is playing Detective Geary. This Himagira introduces himself as Matsuda Enji. A reporter asks the older actor, the co-star, Shinya Awada, how he feels about having a Himagir co-star. Awada at first seems kind of jazzed about it as he makes a joke about Matsuda never forgetting his lines. Makes sense in-universe, but because I know that, you know... Human gears can achieve singularity and stuff like that. It just feels rude to me that the uh, reporter just was like, "All right, we were introduced to uh, to uh, Ng. Let's go talk to Shin- Shinya Wada." Like, I get, I, I get it, but I, I feel bad because I know that Ng is probably close to singularity. I feel bad for both of them because after that, they just immediately start asking questions about heat and intelligence. They get one question. They get one question directed to either of the actors. And then they start talking about the terrorist attacks. <laughs> to be fair, 
Good on those reporters for not getting sucked into the propaganda machine and trying to hold heat and intelligence responsible. Uh, one of the reporters does indeed bring up the recent attacks by MJ.net and the resulted in hit to heated an intelligence reputation. But Fukuzoe cuts the reporter off by proclaiming that this TV drama will restore HI's good name. The worst part, this feels like something that would and probably has happened in uh, real life. Like using media and stuff or like a publicity ploy with no real change involved to sweep under the rug a thing. Yeah, I could see that. I, I'm sure there are real life examples. I can't, none really come to mind though. But Fua and Izu are in the back of the crowd. Izu thanks Ames for providing security, even though it's kind of flimsy security since Fua is pretty injured from his last fight against Metsubo Genrai. He's on a crutch. <laughs> You're calling it... Adam, Fua isn't the only security here. <laughs> it's regular security. We see, we later see like an army of like twenty Ames agents <laughs> outside. What are you fucking talking about? <laughs> he's the only guy we see in this scene. <laughs> yeah, because he's on a crutch. He's not going to be outside providing security. <laughs> to be fair, considering how well the other guys usually fare. Fool's still probably the best line of defense they have. I, I do, however, love you, Cassidy, for you, you just popping off at that. <laughs> that was pretty good, yes. Uh, yeah, Fu is still injured. He wonders aloud who could have leaked the video of the assassin turning into the Dodo Magia. Izu then reveals to Fua that she was there when it happened, and that the leaker can be none other than Yua Yaiba. It's interesting because at first she, when he's like, I wonder who could have leaked that. And uh, Izu goes, uh, was it not Ames? And then shows him the video. So like she at first probably assumed that Fua was in on it. Then we get the intro. They realize Hajimari. Yeah. Zero one zero one zero one zero one. We're then taken to Zaya Enterprises HQ building. It's a lot less fancy since it's not CGI. Yua is talking to Zaya's CEO who has a bunch of MJ.nets, or what I think are the Extinction Rice keys on his desk. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they were Progrise keys because I saw some of them that I know are Progrise keys. They didn't look menacing enough to be evil. But yeah, Zaya's CEO man lightly chides Yua for giving Heat and Intelligence the mammoth key, but he seems to regard it as a very minor setback. At the MJ.net base, Assassin and Jen are watching an old, what looks like an old samurai movie starring Awada. Well, well, okay, well, hold up. So, first of all, it can't be that old because, like, Awada still looks the same age as he did there. But there's a filter on the movie that makes it look as though it's from the 70s. But also, it is stated to be his, like, first big role or whatever. First big Which film. would mean that he's probably been acting for less than 10 years. Also, it was probably a TV show because he's known as, like, famous television actor Shinya Awada. So, like, it was and, was and Assassin, like, syndicated TV I think, okay, so I think the movie, I think And Assassin is a movie, but he's a television actor. That's why he looks old in the movie that was his first big movie. 
And so he was like going along as like, you know, mid tier television actor, then like, and assassin comes out and it's like, holy shit. How did we not know Shinya Owada was the shit? And now everyone's paying attention to him. It's like when John Cena started being in movies after wrestling for like 10 to 15 years. Uh, by the way, would you like to know uh, Shinya Owada's actor? Uh, his name is Shinya Owada. Uh, he is like it, it, he's playing himself. I mean, he, no, he he's just playing himself. Like the the actor Shinya Owada is playing Shinya Owada. Uh, he also was the he's also the Japanese dub voice for Mufasa. You're serious that the actor and the character are just the same person? Yeah, I I guess he. I looked on his uh, Wikipedia page. Does he doesn't really have that many roles? So I guess he's not a legendary TV actor. And unfortunately, and Assassin is not an actual movie. If it was, it would have had to have been like a, a Toei film or something, you know, for them to feel okay with just using the footage. Yeah, but man, just how fun would it have been if like and Assassin was real and just added another extra lo- level of like madness that means you would have had to watch and assassin and do a commentary track on it god uh, from the two from the 30 seconds that we saw of and assassin i would be down to watch it seems to have some pretty cool fight choreography okay do, do you think Shin, shinya Shinya owada's character is definitely the assassin and and assassin right well, yeah, they talk about how he's great at playing assassins, and that's why Little Assassin wants to learn from him. Do you guys want to spend some time, like, creating a plot for Ant Assassin? No, I have to craft a plot for Common Rider Lemon. <laughs> well, while you work on that, we'll, ta- we'll keep thinking about Ant Assassin. But yeah, they're watching the Ant Assassin by starring Shinya Owada. Jin pokes fun at Assassin by saying that maybe he should learn moves from Iwata himself since Assassin keeps losing. He's not losing, it's growth. He's learning. He goes he he gets stronger by learning, as all AI do. He's going to reach singularity. Hirobi pauses the movie and hands Jin a new extinction rise key, saying that he has a new friend to make. Okay, so more about and Assassin. I think I think Hirobi owns that movie on DVD or something. Oh, VHS! Come on now. Like, cause think about it like this: Hirobi like is styles himself like a like a cyberpunk samurai. Like he has the sword and everything. Like he he def- he's definitely like into that samurai stuff. Like J- Jin and Assassin Chan probably like found that old VHS or Betamax and like plugged it in. Yeah, why do you think he's not telling them to turn it off? And normally it would be just kind of like a bit too serious to have a movie on. Is this the only scene Hirobi's in in this episode? He's 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 uh, rewatching all of his uh, samurai VHSs. Uh, so we quite ominously cut to NG as he fin- as he prepares to be filmed. His ear modules disappear, and Anna, I think you have stuff to say about that. It feels weird that. Even intelligence is making this propaganda TV show essentially in order for people to feel more comfortable about human gears and do better for their public image. So it's surprising to me that they wouldn't have the main character, human gear actor, play a human gear. Like, I don't know. Like, I guess it would be unsettling and freaky to the public where it's like, 
yeah, the main character is this human gear that's gained self-awareness or something, but I don't know. It it feels off or odd to me that they would hide the fact that the main character's actors not will not hide the fact that he's a human gear, but not use that for their uh, television series. I think a lot of it might have to do with um, the fact that the show is supposed to be about like compassion or whatever. You know, there's a lot of like talk about like emotions and morality and stuff like that. And that's not something that human gears as like an entity that aren't actors are supposed to be able to struggle with. Like actors, the acting human gears do it because they're acting. Um, but like a cop human gear isn't supposed to have like anything other than the letter of the law going on. You're telling me that wouldn't be a dope ass TV show of this. I mean, I'm pretty sure they've already made that, and I think it might also... It's called Detroit Become Human. Fuck, I'm leaving. Fuck, uh, I'm sorry. No, get out of here. Get out of here. No. It's not what I meant. Banned. Not, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. No. <laughs> and, and then Anna was dragged off into the void. Like, it would be neat, but it'd be really bad for Heden's PR. Like, they're already having a hard time. Oh my god, I'm back from the void. I'm... I met David Cage. He was fucking horrible. Probably the worst experience of my life. All right. Sorry, where were we? Yeah, the ear modules disappear. Arto, who is apparently costumed as a medical examiner on set, marvels at this development as Izu explains that Himigir ear modules can now cloak from film cameras. So actually, what's happening here? Accord, at least according to the subtitles I had, I, I don't know. This is a very different phrasing from what you're saying. Is that they have the they have software that allows them to edit them out of footage in real time. That's what I also read. Like it, the physical person looking at uh, NG sees the fins, but if you're looking through the camera or seeing the thing that's being recorded at the time, you're seeing it without the fins. Well, yeah, that's. Why well, I said cloak from film cameras. Potato, potato, I guess. But yeah, Fua is there too, still providing security. He seems to be a bit more recovered and can actually put up a fight instead of being blown over by a stiff breeze. Uh, he asks Arto why he's in costume, and Arto tells him that he's going to be an extra. Arto snaps a picture with, with, a, with a camera he has as a prop, and Fukuzoe appears out of nowhere with a pallid complexion and a bloodstained on his shirt, since he's going to be playing the corpse of a murder victim. God, I can't believe that they foreshadowed Fukuzoe's murder all the way back here. So I want to talk about um, when they, when it they cuts to the actual filming of the scene. Because um, I just want... I just want everybody to think about... They have this this camera on, like, a trolley on rail, and we're seeing that through a camera that is doing a very smooth pan and, like, swivel around the scene. So they have two of these things set up so that one can film the other, and I think that's very funny. I, I thought you were going to bring up that apparently in uh, Detective Geary, Duty and Compassion, the assass- Shinya Owada's character, the assassin, just shows up, points a gun at the detective, and none of the medical examiners are supposed to react at all. They're extras. They can't be paid to act. <laughs> if they reacted at all they would have to be paid money i know but it's just hilarious to think about that like in in the tv show like 
Maybe the TV show's bad. Maybe Shinya Iwata just ended up at a, in a stinker. No, I think it's just like, I think it is equivalent to a CW show. I think this is like the, uh, the Huma Gear equivalent of Green Arrow. I'm sorry, Arrow. No green in it. Not until season four. And they still don't call it that. No. I mean, I'm pretty sure, like, even if they wanted to, it would be a weird shit with licensing. They have to call it Arrow colon Green Arrow. Semicolon the beginning, colon again, the end, comma, br- blue arrow. Hyphen Viridian Bolt. Anyway, they all take their places as Jin and Assassins start advancing on the set. They get confronted by some Ames grunts. Fua gets a radio call informing him of MJ.net coming, and he rushes out to meet them as Jen is already henchined. Yeah, now we get to my favorite part of the episode. Oh, it's so good. Izu looks outside and sees the fight going on. She comes back in and and proceeds to sign over to Arto that MJ.net is present as the filming is going on. This causes Arto to freak out and force a cut. Arto tries running out to help bite off Jen, but Fukuzoe grabs his ankle and stops him. It's very funny. You are not going to ruin this for me. It's for the good of the company. It's for the good of my future acting career. Yeah, I, I love I love Ease and Aruto like communicating with the signs that are like barely even signs because it shows, you know, they're close and they they know each other so well and I love it. Vulcan is having trouble fighting Jen since he's still injured, but Yua arrives and henshins into Valkyrie. As filming continues, Izu keeps trying to warn Aruto about the em- enemy presence. Aruto accidentally k- kicks Bukuzoe in the ribs, making him yell out in pain, and this forces yet another cut. Uh, Fukuzoe says the phrase, I'm going to dedicate all of my energy to being dead. Yes! If that isn't a fucking mood. <laughs> Valkyrie continues fighting Jin outside. She assumes lightning hornet form and proceeds to not the bees Jin as Vulcan shoots from the ground. Yeah, she's really showing off that 300% power and just beats Jin up. God, you're stealing all of my jokes today. I was, I was, I was going to do the power of three common Riders joke. Uh, the ruckus causes the scenery at the, on the set to collapse and almost smush Bokuzoe. The walls go around him, but a giant lamp from above almost crushes his head. And it's straight up kind of terrifying, because if he hadn't moved, Bukuzoe would probably be dead, and the entire show would change. I don't know. I think the, uh, the energy with which it hits the ground, like that momentum, maybe a concussion. I don't think he would have died from it. Jin tries sicking Assassin on the Ames Riders, but Assassin's gone off somewhere, so Jin buggers the fuck out. Back inside the film set, we see that Assassin is watching Oda's performance with rapt attention. I love this. I, 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 lo- I love Assassin Chan being, like, becoming obsessed with Oada. And because it's kind of important... Thematically, here's a quick summary of the show. It's about a detective who unknowingly befriends an infamous hitman. There's talk about people not showing their whole selves, and that kind of relates to whatever Yua has going on. People are like coins. 
they have one side that faces the world and another that's hidden from everybody. Common writers are like onions. They make you cry. <laughs> they have layers. They grow little hairs if you leave them out in the sun too long. Uh, I, I will say, I don't think Geary befriends the assassin by accident. Because it seems like from every single scene, he knows he's an assassin. But like, as he's learning more about the truth of the world, he's seeing things aren't black and white. And so he becomes, he befriends them, fully knowing he's an assassin. No, he reveals himself in the in this scene that they're filming to be that hitman or assassin or however you, you'd like to phrase it. Uh, but anyway, filming finishes and Easy reports to Arto that Ames has beaten back MJ.net. Fukuzoe raises himself up, congratulates himself for being such a great corpse, and that maybe he should get into acting after this. He should. Yeah, I, I think he'd make a great actor. An actor that specializes in being a corpse, so there's just a million movies out there that just have a one dead body that's the exact Sam. Well, no, he, he's able to contort his body into all those different death positions. Yeah, no, but it's still the same body. It's like uh, the guy from Parks and Rec who's also a news person in every single TV show and movie. Meanwhile... Oeda brings the show's director aside and voices concern that having Nahima Gear in the lead role is insufficient for for actually acting. But since he didn't intelligence is bakeroling the show, uh, the director asks Oeda to bear with it. Elsewhere, the Ames duo are talking. Fua suggests canceling the show since MJ.net is apparently targeting the production. Yua shoots down the suggestion, but Fua bluntly asks if Yua had anything to do with the leaked footage of the assassin. Yua confirms this with equal bluntness. Fua reminds her that it's Aim's job to police AI and not to set up Hedon intelligence for failure. Yua then confirms that setting up Hedon is indeed her task. Fua asks if this has something to do with Zaya, and Yua just walks off. I love this, because I think Fua, at the beginning of the season, would, like, wouldn't have minded setting up Hidden Intelligence for failure. But because Aruto has proven time and time again that uh, he's, uh, like, going to do the right thing and not cover things up, like, he's now more willing to give them a chance and not willing to unfairly persecute them. I, th- I think it shows very good character development. We're only 10 episodes in. Who knows where he'll go from there. Maybe he'll loop back around to hating Hima Gears and wanting to burn H.I. to the ground. Who knows? Maybe he'll loop back around and become a Hima Gear. At the end of the movie, there's the conversation he had with Yua. I had a dream I became a Hima Gear. If I become one, you'll kill me, right? Who knows? Maybe that's foreshadowing. As Oeda is leaving the set, he gets approached by Assassin, who is incognito. Assassin tells Oeda that he wants to get stronger, or Suyuko Naritai. That phrase and the sentiment behind it is kind of a staple of Japanese culture, from what I understand, but anyway. Oeda seems to interpret this as Assassin asking for acting lessons. To be fair, to, to be fair, what else could that man interpret it to mean? If you're a famous actor and someone who comes up to you dressed like a hipster is like, I want to get stronger, like, the only reasonable assumption is acting lessons, right? (laughs) 
I love little assassin's wig, by the way. I don't think it's a wig. Like he's wearing like a tiny hat and poofing his hair a bit. It is. It is significantly longer. It is definitely a wig. We see him take it off later. But yeah, Oda's happy to oblige this assassin. We cut to later that night. And Assassin is going through Oda's fight choreography from And Assassin, the samurai film we saw earlier. They then go over the script from the TV series, and Assassin even ad-libs a bit. That would make me a terrible cop, right? Oda seems impressed by Assassin's acting skills and offers to mentor him in acting. Okay, so imagine this. Imagine if Assassin-chan just left MetsuboJinrai.net and became an actor. That'd be a good end for him. It it would fall apart the moment he had to not wear a funny hat and wig during a scene. He takes off as like, I'm a human here, and I'm an actor. And I'm an assassin. And my fins are all fucked up. You may have seen me on the news before. <laughs> oh, right, he was on the news for turning into a magia. Later... Fuwa and Yua are continuing to serve as security for the production during yet another shoot. Oda brings Assassin's Adlib line into the scene, which causes Enji to seemingly freak out and maybe hit Singularity or maybe struggle with it. I'm not sure. No, I think he actively doesn't hit Singularity because of this, because he like he glitches out and like sticks hard to Oh. Oh no no, it has to be by the script. Yeah, I, I think like he approached it, got really close, and then backslid. Yeah, because every human gear that we've seen hit Singularity, aside from the bus driver, uh, has like has like done something slightly different than like what would have been expected immediately. Well, I mean, I, I think we saw Scissorman's like spawns like I'm happy to do this. So, like he he had the satisfaction of giving a good haircut. Yes, as opposed to you know. What they they would have been just programmed to not feel anything. That was originally intended to be a joke, but actually I do think that is true. So yeah, Oda is dissatisfied with Enji not being human enough, and he walks upset. Assassin, who's been watching this whole time, decides that Enji is unnecessary based on what Oda just said, and he proceeds to attack him. But since Yua is there, she hence sheens into Valkyrie, as Jin jumps in and the assassin turns into the Dodo Magia. Assassin Chan has a fun little like transformation uh like sequence where like he does like a move, like he has a tie and everything and like corrects it before transforming. But he doesn't have a tie, so he's just adjusting nothing. We I don't know if we've addressed it, but everyone seems to have all the rider characters, some of the Magia, they they all have like Really interesting mannerisms that they get, go through as they henshin. Yua has that little spin that she does to her whatever progress key she's using. Fuwa just squeezes it as much as he can. Yeah, he strains himself. Jin kind of gives the playful little toss to his extinction rise key before slotting it into the force riser. And Aruto kind of slots it into his belt. And yeah, it's... It's just a nice little touch. Yeah, well, that's like a... Just about every single Comrider has that. Like, it's, uh, every character has their own, like, unique little henchin uh, pose. And I love it. But yeah, like, Assassin Chan made his own because of his acting lessons. 
except he doesn't have the right outfit for it, so he's just adjusting no a non-existent tie. Oh, and uh, Jin says, "Hey, you're not allowed to kill our friends. Like, you know, we have to turn him into a magia." Uh, what follows is a pretty cool ass fight scene in which Valkyrie gets turned back into Yua by a super move from the Dodo magia. The Dodo converts nearby humigiers into trilobites, but Fua comes in as Vulcan. And as he, as Pua henshines this time, he like puts his shot riser to the neck of a trilobite, and it's, and the bullet seems to shoot through it, and then knock a trilob- another trilobite away before it makes contact with him and turns him into Vulcan, and that is just an interesting touch. Yeah, Zero One is fighting as well, doing a neat little fight like on the roof between the two. Uh... Uh, air conditioning units. It's it's a neat little like hallway fight, not in a hallway. Yeah, and then Arto and Jin swap weapons. Yep, Arto grabs the attaché arrow, uh, and then he he tries to use it, and but only really gets to block with it. Uh, Yua mentions that she thinks that Dodo has evolved further, which I tend to agree with because he's, now he's doing super moves. Zero one goes into freezing bear form and and tries to immobilize Jin by doing his little f- cold kamehameha. He also says a funny joke when he summons freezing bear. Yes. He says grin and bear that. Hey, when the bear shows up and punches him. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I don't remember because it's been a while since we recorded the episode that freezing bear first appeared in. Did we ever draw any attention to the fact that the belt says attention freeze? This was the first time I noticed it myself. I don't think we drew attention to it now. It says attention freeze. Freezing bear, fierce breath, as cold as arctic winds. But yeah, Zero One and Jen fight. Uh, Fua comes in and he asks Yua why she saved his life earlier. And Yua answers that it was because she wanted to. Fua then tells her that saving her right now is what he wants to do. Yua hands him the Gatling Hedgehog key. <laughs> what happens is gr- better than that, because she tosses it. A trilobite grabs it. Then Fua grabs the trilobite, shoots it a bunch of times, and takes the key back. It's the coolest thing. So he gets he gets the Gatling Hedgehog key, which he slots into his attache shotgun, to dispatch the crowd of trilobites, he basically it essentially turns the his shotgun into a Gatling gun with big ol' rate of fire. Uh, mm-hmm. Gatling briefcase shot, and then later he does a Gatling briefcase buster. Yep. It shoots a bunch of green glowy homing laser spikes into the dodo, which then cause the dodo to explode. Like, if you've played Halo... It's the Needler, yeah. So, uh... Some- uh, I, want, I would like to perform a bit. Uh, during the uh, Destruction Begins Now, we had a little bit where we had Cassidy read off a Progress Key Zero One transformation sequence from a key that... And we didn't do it the next episode because that's when we had Breaking Mammoth. And the one after that was the movie. But now, I just sent the Gatling Hedgehog Key's transformation phrase to Cassidy. Progress! Unstoppable rapid shots. Gatling Hedgehog. Infinite spines shoot towards the enemy. That is how Fua defeats uh, the Dodo. That wins the battle, but 
Jin makes off with the Dodo extinction key, since he needs to preserve all its machine learning and making it a better combatant. Fuwa is like shooting him with the shotgun and unfortunately missing, but I would have loved it if when he was far away he got hit by it and you just hear Jin go, ah. But yeah, with the fight over, Yua admits to Fuwa that there may come a day when she betrays him and that they're forced to fight. You can try. Mm-hmm. Fuwa tells her that when that day comes, he'll win. Why is Fuwa the greatest character in the show? I love him so much. I disagree. I think Izu's better. Okay, you're right. Izu does exist. I forgot. I forgot that for a second. But Fu is so cool, though. Like he's like he's just cool. He's the protagonist of his own edgier TV show. He's pretty cool, and he doesn't afraid of anything. <laughs> the secondary writers are just oh, they're just so good. What if one day I betray you? On that day, I'll win. Arto comes running out and he kind of panically tells everyone that Owada has quit the show. No, Arto's there and the director comes and is like, Owada's quit. Yeah, Arto's there to thank them both for saving the day. The episode ends with Yua reporting to Zaya's CEO about Hiden's show apparently being a failure. The CEO dude smugly says that he is 1000% sure that things will go according to his script. And that's the episode. Is that his catchphrase? Because that that just seems catchphrase. It one thousand percent is. Anyway, we're moving on to writer of the week. Uh, Cassidy, would you like to start us off? I think I'm going to give it to Little Assassin. Yeah, I'm going to do the same. Yeah, yeah, he actually had an arc, which was more than what I expected of his character when he was first introduced. I thought he would just be like a, a mini boss who would show up every once in a while, but no, he, he's becoming an actual character in the show. And more of a threat. He, like like Cassidy said, he has a finishing move now. He doesn't have a name yet, but he does have one. Anna? A little assassin all the way. I will say, I was going to say, I'm going to give a, um, a honorable mention to the other person I thought about giving it to, which is Yua. I just, I think... Yua doesn't do a lot in this episode, but I think there's, like, hints at her character. You said that I wasn't going to like her because she had this secret plot or whatever. I don't know. I think that, actually, she's great still. I'm not the one that said that. You are literally the one that said that. Did I say that? (laughs) Yeah, because I kept talking about how I think Yua was way better than Fuwa, and you were like, well, just wait. And I waited, and guess what? I still think Yua kicks ass. I can't speak to what I meant back then because I don't remember my existence, but maybe I meant that Fuwa kicks ass in my mind so much. I think you is definitely one of the more interesting characters because she's definitely seeming to be very conflicted so far. Because like when Fuwa confronts her, she's just immediately like, no, yeah, that's what I'm doing. And I clearly like as much as I think Fuwa was really shitty at the beginning, especially directly to Yua. Um, like they have like this sort of like uneasy friendship alliance thing. Uh, anyway, I'll I'll go ahead and give the tarot corner. I'm giving strength to assassin. It's just the obvious pick. He has a drive to improve what that seems to go beyond mere programming, refining one's raw emotions and energy into external power is what this arcana is all about. So yeah, it it's just obvious. 
No, I don't think he was built post-singularity. I think he hit singularity um, within the last couple episodes, probably, if he's hit it already. He's, he seems to be choosing to support MJ.net, and that speaks of a level of free will that pre-singularity Hemagears don't really have. Yeah, he's definitely already hit singularity because he can ad-lib during acting. Yeah. Unless he's supposed to be an improv Hemagear. Right, Cassidy, would you like to go first or shall I? Go right ahead. You know, I I really love uh, Detective Geary, uh, um, Duty and Compassion, but I think the casting could be a little bit better. Like, the person they had playing the corpse, Jun Fukizoe, I don't think he was his best. You know someone who's very good at, at playing dead? Assassin Chan. Boo. Boo, he's better Boo, at playing his. dead. Boo. It's like he keeps on dying and coming back. Boo. Fuck you guys. I'm going home. Cassidy? Well, I'd love to tell you a common writer joke, but I'm fresh out of zero one-liners. Hey. hey. And that's how you know it. Double A. Okay, that brings us to episode ratings. I'm going to give this an 8 out of 10. There were some nice things they pulled off with the fight choreography and Assassin being a more deeper character than I originally thought was a pleasant surprise. Uh, I'm going to give it a 7.5. It would be a 7, but then it had uh, the scene with Ease and Naruto trying to communicate, and I thought that was just so cute. That's really low for something that you said was a really good episode before we started recording. Trying to evaluate my uh, ideas of what a good episode means. Because I listened to the episode where we talked about how like five is supposed to be average and not, and like 7.5 wouldn't be average. That would be an above average episode. Yeah, I guess. But when you say something is really good, I expect you to think it's better than some of the other episodes. Fine, I'll give it an eight. What are you going to give it? Nine out of ten. Yeah, uh, so far our average ratings are for me 8.27, for Adam 7.95, and for Cassidy 8.5. Seems Cassidy enjoys the show better than the rest of us. I'm great at enjoying things. You are very good at enjoying things. So, do either of you guys have things on the internet you wish for people to experience? Do you folks have something that you wish to share on the internet? Yeah, I've got something. Uh, I do another podcast called Pokemon Primeval. It is a actual play TTRPG podcast where we basically explore what different eras of the Pokemon world might have been like or will be like, ranging all the way from Kanto and Johto, which are engaged in a Sugoku-era-like war, all the way to the post-apocalypse, which is seen much better days. We would love it if you'd check it out. That is Pokemon Primeval. You can find me on Twitter at MadLobotanist, that's M-A-D-L-O-B-O-T-A-N-I-S-T, and you can find my website that has all the podcasts that I do and that I've guested on at madlobotanist.neocities.org, which is the same as my Twitter handle, .neocities.org. I'm going to draw special attention to one of those podcasts. Precure, Podcast Engage, at PrePodEngage on Twitter, is a podcast I do with my fiancé, Charlie, uh, where we do this, but for Pretty Cure. And, um, it's... It's a lot, a lot less like specific titled bits, and a lot more just us goofing around in the middle of an episode. Uh, 
I, we're nearing the end of our second season, which is the second season of Pretty Cure in general, which is Futari Wa Pretty Cure Max Heart. And now that we're almost done with it, we need to figure out what we're watching next. So if you have opinions on which Pretty Cure we should watch next, let us know. It's a solid show, folks. I've listened to a few episodes. I guessed it on one of them. I, I wrote an entire uh, little essay about the symbolism of the bird, only to find out I was doing the episode after that episode. Birds. Borbs. They are the words. And I believe that's everything we've come here to do, folks. Show. And. Shade.